God, we give you thanks for the ways in which you meet us in everyday life, especially tonight as we think about you coming and living amongst us. So God, come and be with us. Remind us of your presence. Remind us that there's nothing that can separate us from your great love. We ask this in your son's holy name, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Maybe seated. It's good to be with you all. If I have a chance to meet you, my name's Joe, and uh, uh, one of the pastors here at City View Church. It's good to gather with you this evening on uh, Christmas Eve. Um, I, uh, I'm just really happy to be able to spend some time with you. You know, songs, they really kind of define the Christmas season, don't they? And I'm so thankful for our musicians. Thanks, guys. Uh, great job. There's one song that you might not hear at a Christmas Eve service that I actually do want to look at today. I'm sure you know it. Um, it goes a little, a little bit like this. I'm a very good singer, by the way. I don't know if you knew this about me. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's... You know this one? Yeah, you know this one. Santa Claus is coming to town. A little, little bit more. He sees you when you're sleeping. And he knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness. All right, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. Great, fun song. This song came on once, Frank Sinatra's version. If you've heard it, it was on a playlist. Me and my son were getting ready for Christmas last year. I started belting it out, obnoxiously so. It became a favorite. We love it. I like it. It's a fun song. And I say that, I like it. It's a fun song because I'm going to spend the rest of the service disagreeing with this song, okay? So, but it's still a fun song, but I'm just, it, but it's super fun. It just happens to be horribly toxic, in terrible theology. Okay, so have you considered what this song is actually saying? Uh, maybe a fun, uh, the fun tone of the song maybe distracted you from the words, so I will change the tone and see if you can really pick up on how great of a song this is. You better watch out, and you better not cry, and you better not pout, because he sees when you're sleeping, and he knows when you're awake. And he knows if you've been bad or good. I mean, what? <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure those words could be used as a pitch for a horror film if you wanted to. But, it, but it's more than that. These words, they're about Santa. And, um, but they're not just about Santa. They're how a lot of people view God. You know, God watching everything we do, waiting for the second that we mess up. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows whether you've been bad or good. And if your bad deeds outweigh your good deeds, oh, then what? You're going to go to hell. That's what Christians teach. I was just watching a movie. It was a blockbuster, major film, did very well in the theaters. And in it, a character kind of starts out bad, which is typical of movies. And he admits to this little kid, he's like, well, I'm not going to go to heaven. I wasn't good enough. That's basically what he says to this little kid. And, uh, of course, over time, he gets better. He becomes, like, a good guy because this kid teaches him how to, like, love, you know, the world. And so it's a pretty stereotypical story. But at the end, in this climax of action, he's going to die. And the kid is very sad about it, as, as I would be. And he says, well, I'm, it's okay. I'm going to heaven because of you. You made me a good person. He learned to be good. 
so good to go to heaven. And, 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 and so we think the good go to heaven, the bad go to hell. The good get presents from Santa, and the bad get what? Yeah. No. I'm sorry, friends. This is not what we believe. There is nothing about that that you could call good news. But that doesn't mean that people don't tend to think of God in this way. Some being in the world, um, that is uh, some being that's watching us, everything we do, making sure that we're good. I know this is true because when I will sit and I will preach a sermon and I'll say a whole lot of things, and I've done this a few times, and I happen to just mention, like I just throw it out there and I'll say, you know, but you've got to understand that God is not angry with you. I'll just say that. And then that's the piece people give feedback to me all the time. Wait, God's not angry with me? No. It's everywhere, though. You Consider the movie Elf. Have you watched this modern classic of a movie? Um, It's a story. If not, it's a story about a human who's raised by elves in the North Pole, and he grows up, very funny, he decides to go look for his dad in New York City. Before he goes to find his dad, Santa tells him something about his dad. Watch this really short clip, though. Can't wait to see my dad. We're, we're going to go ice skating and, and eat sugar plums. And that's the other thing I wanted to talk to you about. You know, buddy, your father, well... He's on the naughty list. No! His father's on the naughty list. Not a good guy, you know? And here's the thing. We watched this. Me and Finn watched this this year. And um, uh, later that day, we were riding in the car. My, My son Finn, he's seven. And he said to me, he just out of nowhere, he said to me, he says, man, I sure hope Elf's dad made it on the nice list. You know, something they don't address in the movie, it turns out. But he was just very, very concerned. In, in fact, he goes on, he says, well, you know, he ended up helping Santa out. I mean, you would think that'd get him on the nice list. Ever since he said that, I've been, I just can't stop thinking about how this view of life, how this theology gets into us and, 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 and creates fear. We're, we're so worried. Did you know, though, this is interesting, um, that the, the original story of Santa Claus the original Santa Claus, and I love telling Finn this, was a pastor, sort of. He was a priest. He was a bishop in the, the church in the, around the 200s, very, just a few generations after Jesus. And uh, we were told uh, that um, a tradition tells us that he was very kind and generous to the poor. That's how we get stories of good old Saint Nick. He cared for the poor. He cared for the hurting. He fed the hungry. He clothed the naked. Um, even more specifically, he, he ransomed people out of moneylenders. 2,000 years ago, it was common that if people got into debt and they couldn't pay off the debt, they'd be forced into slave labor. And this is still actually common in other parts of the world. It still happens, but then it was even more common. And so there's the stories of of good old St. Nick buying people out of slavery. There's one story in particular. St. Nick ran into this family that had experienced such deep poverty that they had run out of food, water, clothing, and the women in the family decided they were going to start to do something to earn money. And I'll let your imagination fill in the gaps. St. Nick said no. He finds out, he helps the family out, he saves the women from having to do what we often do when poverty is so extreme. And so here we are, we took these stories of St. Nick who helped the poor and the hurting, and we made him into a guy, what? Who only helps the nice kids? 
And the fact that we've changed the story, and by we I mean humanity, we've, we've added, we've changed the story, from a person who helped the less fortunate to a person who only helped the good kids, well, that says something about us, doesn't it? We change the story. Humans over time change the story, and well, that says more about us than it does about God, but we can't help it. There's something about us humans that we want to divide the world into two categories, you know, the naughty and nice list, the good and evil, black and white, rich and poor, the people who are right and the people who are wrong, Republican and Democrat. All of these are just different ways of saying the exact same thing. We divide the world into us and them. There's my people and those people. We all do it. We can't help ourselves. We do this with people. We do this with ideas. We do this with neighborhoods. I remember when my family bought a house in Franklinton, back before Franklinton was a super cool place to live. And it's interesting how people's feedback on Franklinton has changed over the years, because originally, now people are like, oh, that's a really up and coming place. Originally, people were very concerned. Oh, people worried. I had friends who would visit and they, they wouldn't let their kids sleep over. I remember this specifically, too dangerous of a neighborhood. I had a friend tell me once that Franklinton would be a great place for a church, but I'd never lived there. Now, I'm just trying to imagine a scenario where you'd have a church where, in a place you're unwilling to live. Imagine, if, for example, if God was willing to have people form a church somewhere where God wasn't willing to go. You wouldn't have a church. Don't you understand that's the whole point of the Christmas story? God moved into the neighborhood, became one of us. I remember talking with a friend who grew up in Franklinton before it was a rough place, before they built the flood wall, if you understand how city planning goes. And uh, so it was, it was very under-resourced. And uh, um, he grew up in the midst of all of that, and he was telling me about what Christmas was like for him as a kid growing up in pretty extreme poverty. He didn't celebrate Christmas like many of us do. Um, I remember him telling me that he didn't get presents, they couldn't afford presents. And, and this is what he said, and it just it has stuck with me ever since. He said, as a kid, I, I always wondered why Santa never came to our neighborhood. You know, he grew up with movies and cartoons and classmates all talking about what Santa had gave them, and he's wondering why Santa didn't come to Franklinton. What, what, and what is, he, what is he to think? Well, well, we know what the song would tell him, right? He, he's going to find out who's naughty or nice. He knows if you've been bad or good. And so if that neighborhood doesn't, you know, get presents from Santa, what kind of message does this song bring? You know, St. Nicholas started as a bishop in the early church who was known for being generous to the poor. But now we think of Santa as someone who only visits the nice kids. So somewhere along the line, we missed the point. We've missed the whole purpose of Christmas. So let me make it perfectly clear this evening. God didn't come down at Christmas to only love on the good kids. God did not come down at Christmas to only love on the families who had it all together. God came down to love on those of us who needed it the most. Jesus makes this painfully clear. He says, oh, it's not the sick who need a doctor. It's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. In fact, I'd say that anyone who thinks they are one of the good kids, you know, I've got it all together. I hate to break it to you. You're not nearly as good as you think. I'm not as good as I think. But it's not even about that. It's not about being good. It's about being loved. 
while we were yet lost and confused and arrogant and sad and depressed and filled with that, while we were yet sinners, Christ came to die for us. Jesus came to earth knowing he would die, not of old age, but at the hands of those who embraced violence as a way of life, what we call the theology of the empire. We will take by force what we want. And we still live in a violent world. This was true in the time of Jesus. When Jesus was born in the stable in Bethlehem, a short walk from the great city of Jerusalem, Jesus was born during a time of genocide. Children were being slaughtered at the hands of the empire. Jesus' family, according to the Gospel of Matthew, was forced to become a refugee, displaced from his home. Jesus picked the worst time and place and family to become a human. He chose the wrong neighborhood, you might say. But that's the problem with this world. There's no time or place that's safe from violence. It can happen anywhere, at any place. Right now, in the birthplace of Jesus, in the city of Bethlehem, in the nation of Palestine, in the West Bank, in Gaza Strip, children are being slaughtered, families displaced right now. It's happening today. Had a chance to visit Bethlehem when we went to Israel a few years ago. What you might not realize is Bethlehem's really close to Jerusalem, but Jerusalem's in Israel and Bethlehem's in Palestine, so you have to cross through. There's this giant wall that separates the two. Um, and we were able to go to the church that's known as the traditional place where Jesus was born. And we were there in January, and it was still packed. We had to wait this long line. Well, around Christmas time, Bethlehem is rocking. I mean, it's the place to celebrate Jesus' birth. I mean, it's a big deal. You know, like they're having, they're throwing some serious worship parties and, and services, probably not what you're used to. That was very surprising. Um, not a lot of contemporary worship in Israel, it turns out. Um, that was then. Today, not today. As the war in Israel and Palestine wages on, countless inner slides are taken and the churches, churches are near empty. Here's a picture of the church. I remember standing in line here. This place was packed. And here's this one kid and his family who probably lives close by. So you're not, you're not traveling to Bethlehem today. The Bethlehem today is too similar to the Bethlehem when Jesus was born, a world at war. But, but here's the thing. But in the midst of all that violence, there's hope. The, the Christmas story tells us that God isn't afraid of our violence. God isn't afraid to get down into the rubble to join us in our pain, to go and live in the wrong neighborhoods, to go where there's violence so we might learn to live differently. It's a, it's a truth that we're reminded by a church in Bethlehem who gathered to, a few people to worship as bombs fell on Palestine and the Gaza Strip. They, they gathered in a church and they set up a nativity like we have kind of set up in the back there. Um, but it was Jesus amidst the rubble. You might have seen it shared. A little nativity that they arranged. This is the Christmas story. God enters into this violent world because God isn't afraid to stand with us. God wanted to become our neighbors. God wanted to make a difference, to show us a better way. And this is closer to home than we realize. Today in our city, we are facing a war of our own, different in many ways, but similar in many others. A war of violence happening in our streets. Last night, there was yet another homicide in the brewery district. I don't know if you caught that. So far, that means there was more than 145 homicides in the city of Columbus this year. And you know, whether violence is overseas or in our streets, it smells the same, it looks the same, it hurts the same, it is the same. It's rooted in the theology of the empire. It's rooted in the belief 
that I'm going to take what's mine by, I'm going to get what's mine by taking what's yours. That there are two kinds of people in the world, us and them, my people and those people. And I don't care what happens to those people as long as I get what I need. This is true for every war that's ever been fought. This is true for people fighting to carve out territory in the streets. And this is true for people living far away from the violence, unconcerned with what's happening over there with those people. We're divided into the world, naughty, nice, us and them, and we only care what's ours. Oh God, save us. Jesus left behind what was his to become one of us. Jesus laid down his life so we might live, not just that we might live, but that we might live differently. Jesus taught us to love those we might consider our enemies. You see, as followers of Jesus, we can't divide the world between us and them anymore. We can only divide the world between those we are called to love and those we are called not to love. And uh, spoiler alert, the list of those you are not called to love remains blank. So everyone is on the other list. There's this song, um, that song, you know, uh, about old St. Nick, and he knows what, maybe not the best song for theology, but there are a few others. And one of my favorite songs is by a band called Gunger, uh, called Us For Them. It's not a Christmas song, but it says exactly what I'm talking about. I want to read you part of it. Um, It says this, this is their words. When the lines are drawn, I'm not going to sing it, by the way, you're welcome. (laughs) When the lines are drawn, when you're in or out, when it's us or them, and we shame the doubt, look upon the cross, see the face of Christ, see the mercy in his eyes. Now our enemies are blessed, the heavy laden rest, for his judgment is love. His judgment is love. Blessed are the poor, all the lonely, broken, lost, and torn. See, a kingdom comes to us, a war that's fought with love. Our only war is love. We will not fight their wars. We will not fall in line, because if it's us or them, it's us for them. It's us for them. I want to put this one up on the screen. We reject the either or. They can't define us anymore, because if it's us for them, it's us for them. It's us for them. It's no longer us or them. It's us for them. We're to here to love as radically as we can in the name of Jesus, everyone who needs it, which, by the way, is everyone. One of the greatest needs in our city right now is violence. Violence has been declared a public health crisis. Too many people are dying in acts of violence. It's an unbelievable need, and we as people of Jesus don't shy away from the big needs or the hard stuff. We as followers of Jesus um, need to follow Jesus into the hard stuff. That's where we'll find Jesus. He promises that we'll find him when we go and follow Jesus into the hard stuff, and that's why this year we're following Jesus into reducing violence. We were able to deliver this year uh, 37 presents to 37 kids whose families are connected with violence as part of our collaboration with the Columbus Violence Reduction. We had a blast, and I want to thank everyone who contributed to that. And this evening, we're taking up an offering for mothers of murdered Columbus children. You know, um, this organization is made up of exactly what it sounds like. It's made up of mothers who have lost their kids to acts of violence. And they have decided to do something about it, so no other mother in the city of Columbus, needs to experience the same hurt and the same pain. So a few weeks ago, we had a few share. And uh, um, uh, if you want to check that out, you can, you can check it out online. But 
what they do is they're often some of the first people to show up when there's been a, a shooting. They wrap their arms around family members who have lost people to violence, and they have programs that they're doing in collaboration with the city of Columbus and the police department. Really great stuff. Um, and they work closely with the city council. And I mean, it's very, very impressive mission that they do where they're trying to make sure that their, their membership doesn't grow, that there's no more mothers of murdered Columbus children. In fact, they have a vision right now of reducing homicide in 2024 from, 100 and, from triple digits to, to double digits, getting it under 100, which is an extremely worthy goal. Um, so you have the opportunity to make a difference tonight. We're going to take up an offering, not a paper offering. I don't have any, I never, I don't even know how that would work anymore. I, I've, I've used a check before, I, I promise. Um, but if you uh, go to cityviewcolumbus.org give, or you can use that QR code, it'll take you there as well. You can give towards the Christmas miracle offering. And uh, at the end of the service, I'm gonna, we're actually gonna, I'm gonna give you an update on how much we're able to raise to this service, and then at our seven o'clock, we're gonna give an update. So if you're hoping to give, I really encourage you to actually get on your phones and do it right now, because that way we can have a little bit of fun and celebrate it together. Um, and so you could do that. This will be up on the screen, cityviewcolumbus.org slash give, or use the QR code. You can use your phones to give. If you wanna give, check or cash, you can. There's a box in the back. Um, we won't be able to tally it as quickly, but it'll eventually make it where it needs to go. So absolutely willing to do that. I want to I end with another song that, that I think is, says exactly what I've been trying to talk about, one that Alex is going to perform for us um, here in a second uh, from O Holy Night. There's this beautiful verse that reads like this. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Change shall he break for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus we raise. Let all within us praise his holy name.